Well, we're making a little bit of history on the Scholars Podcast today. We're interviewing our first serving politician. Ewan Walters is a 2012 John Monash Scholar. He returned to Australia in late 2015 after completing a Master of Philosophy in Economic and Social History at the University of Oxford and a Master of Public Policy at Oxford's Blavatnik School of Government. Before going to Oxford, Ewan was a secondary school teacher in Victoria's Grampians region and an inaugural associate of the Teach for Australia program. Ewan's research at Oxford focused on the economics of education and was particularly concerned with improving access to higher education from socially and economically disadvantaged areas. At the last state election in Victoria, Ewan was elected as the member for Greenvale. Ewan, welcome to the program. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for that very kind introduction, and it's, uh, it's great to be with you. You're a newly elected politician to the Victorian Parliament. You're the first Sir John Monash scholar that has ever made it to the dispatch boxes. So how have you found the transition to public life? It's a great question. Um, it's been it's been really exciting. I'm now about four months into the into the journey since the the result was declared. Um, obviously, there's a long period of of campaigning which which goes up to an election and, and a lot a lot that happens behind the scenes. But the opportunity to um, have entered the parliament as the first member for Greenvale and to to be an advocate and a representative for the communities that comprise that seat um, and to be working as a legislator. Um, has been an extraordinary um, privilege. I, I pinch myself that I have that that platform to celebrate what is happening in my community, um, to visit schools, to visit kindergartens, to go into community organisations and to see the breadth of work that happens across civil society, um, just how invested people are in their community, how hard people work, um, not for their not for their own betterment, but for the for the betterment of their community more generally. Um, it's incredibly uplifting and to, to have a platform then to celebrate that work in the parliament, to give speeches that acknowledge and thank uh, leaders from across the community is an immense privilege. Um, I'm also a bit of a political nuffy, so it's, um, I, I pinch myself that I've got the opportunity to, to sit in parliament and, and to contribute to, to legislation, to, to policy development, and uh, as I say, to, to use those opportunities to advocate for for my community to make sure that we've got the infrastructure that uh, people in growing out of suburban areas rely upon and that service delivery is um, wherever possible responsive to, to local conditions and, and to the messages that, that people are, are telling me every day um, they need. Tell us about your Victorian electorate. Yeah, so it's a beautiful part of the world. It's um, it's on the northwestern edge of Melbourne, northern northwestern edge of Melbourne. So for those uh -huh. who are familiar with Melbourne itself, as you fly into Tullamarine Airport from from the north, and you're on the the left hand side of the plane, as you come into land, you're, you're looking at my my electorate. Um, so it includes includes the suburbs of Greenvale, um, West Meadows, Atwood, Meadow Heights, uh, Roxburgh Park. The industrial area of Somerton and the southern part of Craigieburn, and it's it's an area that's experienced extraordinary change in the last uh, decade or so. Really, um, yeah. the the eastern edge of the electorate um, was 
uh, suburban development in the 1990s, um, where, well, from the 1980s, but through the 1990s when suburbs like Meadow Heights and Roxburgh Park took shape. Greenvale itself um, was pretty much a rural area until um, the last 10 years or so. There was some uh, acreage-type suburban development through the 1980s and 90s, but but a lot of the housing was on five-hectare blocks. And given that it is actually quite close to the centre of Melbourne relative to some of the other growth corridors, um, that, that land has been subdivided for housing. But uh, even so, the the edge of the urban growth boundary really cuts through the electorate. So you've still got that legacy of um, uh, rural life and um, and there's a, a very large uh, Parks Victoria um, site called Woodlands Historic Park, which is a 1,000 acres of, of um, remnant bushland, really, and, and the closest um, such park to the, to the CBD. So you've got this interesting mix of old and new and natural yes um, it's demographically a a wonderful and and fascinating part of the world as well in that it's it's going to ask about that to very large populations um of resettled migrants and refugees from the middle east and particularly since the i mean it's topical we're talking about this but since the uh uh, the us-led invasion of iraq in 2003 a very significant proportion of the Iraqi Christian community is resettled in northern Melbourne, and particularly within my electorate. Um, and that process was accelerated after the uh, the ISIS um, invasion of, of northern Iraq in 2014. So you've got a, an incredible physical diversity and, and, a, and a true multicultural um, human diversity, if you like, uh, where um, over 80% of the electorate, for example, profess a faith, which is obviously far higher than the the, the Victorian average, where um, something like 60% of people were born overseas, where a, a significantly greater number than that speak other languages at home. Um, but it's w- within that number, there's a really uh, great diversity of languages which are spoken and of religious faith with, r- faiths which are observed. There's a, a strong Eastern Rite Christian tradition, a strong Catholic tradition, a, a very strong uh, Islamic tradition, and, and with more recent arrivals from the subcontinent there's a very strong hindu and buddhist presence as well and and, and a sikh presence so it's a it, it, it's it sounds amazing cultural australia it, it can be a bit abstract sometimes but the the way in which you've got uh, such a diverse array of communities living alongside each other um in 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 solidarity and harmony um is a, a really great exponent of that multicultural ideal and and doubly so i think given that a very significant proportion of the, rep- the residents I represent have come from uh, backgrounds of extraordinary trauma and persecution um, in the countries they called home previously, um, where they often weren't able to celebrate uh, linguistic, faith, cultural traditions. Um, and by becoming Australian, by living in Greenvale, they can and do. So, Ewan, when you were elected and you had your first day in Parliament, did you actually know what was going on? Because there's a lot to take in. You're a new MP. I know you'd had some experience as a as a staffer, but was that was that a lot to take in as um, as someone now the community representative for a huge area of Melbourne? It's a good question, um, and the memories are, are still very vivid, vivid from that day. Um, you're right that I did have some exposure to the parliamentary system as a staffer, but it's a very different perspective when all of a sudden you're you're the representative and uh, and there on behalf of your community. Um, 
it was helpful to have had that prior first-hand experience. I bet, yep. Um, also, as I say, having been a, a, a political tragic for a long time and uh, a long-term observer of parliamentary proceedings, um, there, there are elements which are you know, very familiar. But I'll give you, an, I'll give you an example where a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. Um, in the federal parliament, when uh, MPs vote, they, they need to divide to one side or another of the speaker's chair. and mm. Ring the bell. That's Lock right. the doors. And the bells are obviously rung in, in the Victorian Parliament too, but the procedure for voting is very different. You don't get out of your seat. You don't move across to the other side of the chamber. It's, a, <laughs> it's an intimate, intimate chamber. And uh, so it was good to clarify that you don't leave your seat because uh, to, to move across mm. to the government mm. side, depending on who's proposing and whether it's a, a, you know, a, a 95-5 proposition or whatever it might be. Um, you stay in your seat, and if you leave your seat, you uh, you're deemed to be crossing the floor, basically, and that doesn't tend to um, end well for uh, careers that are just getting started in in our uh, in our system. Um, so there, yeah, there are there are nuances which are, are different between state and federal levels, and um, there's a, there's a lot to a lot to take in when when you are starting off as a as an MP. It's a it's a unique workplace, and um, there's obviously been a lot of I think uh, deserved and perhaps overdue scrutiny on the way in which parliamentary workplaces operate. I was I was in Canberra or working for a Canberra-based MP at least through the, the period that um, a real blowtorch was applied to the culture of our national parliament. Um, I wasn't there a great deal because of, of COVID interruptions, of course. But um, what that revealed to me is that the, the lived experience of staffers and MPs can be incredibly different depending on the role they have, who they're working for. It's its really a situation where you've got an agglomeration of a lot of almost small businesses or, or small employers who happen to coexist in the same building but aren't part of a classical hierarchical organisation where you've got those traditional HR functions and and um, and so forth. So um, the, while the Parliament of Victoria does a fantastic job at onboarding um, new MPs and giving them as much, giving us as much support as they can, um, they're, they're also not our employer. Um, so there, there's some interesting uh, dimensions that arise as a result of that. But, um, yeah, there is, a, there is a lot to take in. And, and I've gone from um, working for someone else to now being a representative for a community of, uh, you know, 49,000 electors and, and many more people beyond that, as well as a, an employer um, and, and with the, um, the duties and obligations that rest on me as a consequence of that, to provide a safe and fulfilling workplace for, for those who I'm lucky enough work for me. How many um how many are in the the chamber in the in the lower house of the Victorian Parliament? There's 88 in my chamber, which is the as you say the lower house, the uh, the Legislative Assembly, and in Victoria, um, we're we're a bicameral system as most Australian parliaments are, except for Queensland, and there's 40 in the upper house. So you and as a new MP coming into politics. How do you get on with the other members on the other side and even the crossbenchers? Because you always hear, oh, they're the, you know, they don't talk to them, they're the bad guys. But I, I imagine everyone goes into politics regardless of your political colours to to make a difference, to help people. So I'm keen to know whether you're actually, you build relationships with, with those opposite and, and actually have some rapport with them. Yeah, and that starting proposition that um, I think almost universally people do go into 
um, public life and to seek public office because of um, the opportunities to serve the public um, and one's community that it affords. It's a, it's a useful starting point um, to remember that sort of common humanity and uh, and, and shared um, desire to, to um, achieve a better community. There are different ways of going about it, um, but most people, I think, start from that basic proposition. Um, inevitably, you know, politics is a bit of a tribal game and, and, and the, the nature of our system is that it's adversarial and set up to test um, ideas and propositions and to debate uh, and argue over those. But a lot of what people see on the public face of Parliament through um, things like Question Time and other other quite high-profile events can be a bit misleading for the way in which the, the, the House and the Parliament as a whole um, is run. Yeah, it works on a more day-to-day basis. And, and um, I think it's really important that those opportunities to seek bipartisanship and also to just develop a rapport and an understanding of who the other the other side are, um, that, that they're taken up. So in the context of the Victorian Parliament, um, there, there's lots of parliamentary friends groups which bring together uh, MPs from across the across the chamber who have a shared interest yeah. in yep. a particular field or, or policy agenda or... or um, you know, cultural tradition, whatever it might be. The other, the other really significant um, opportunity to develop those relationships is through the committee system. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally set up on a bipartisan basis and provide um, an opportunity to really uh, work uh, collaboratively in the main uh, to uh, progress a particular inquiry into into you know policy matters um, or. Uh, in, in, in my case, I'm, I'm the chair of the Scrutiny of Acts and Regulations Committee, um, which is a bipartisan committee that uh, examines really every piece of legislation uh, and, and um, a non-legislative uh, instrument and ministerial um, uh, regulation that, that comes through the parliament. And that, that's a great opportunity for me to develop relationships with um, you know, those on the, on the other side of the, uh, the, the aisle and to... Um, build that kind of understanding that I think is important. So what do you hope to achieve as a politician, Ewan? So while first and foremost, my primary obligation and responsibility is to be a responsive, proactive uh, and present local member who advocates uh, powerfully for my community through the parliament and other forums. I also do want to bring uh, my experience of, of policy reform and the experience of seeing in the classroom and in a rural community how policies designed uh, in the political and public service abstract really impact upon communities and families where they live. Uh, so it's about, in, in my view, um, working on policy reform and contributing uh, through the parliament to areas like education policy, economic policy, infrastructure policy, um, because they also have a tangible impact on communities in my electorate. So if I am in the position to be able to contribute to economic and educational reform, to um, think about things that drive productivity improvement, which include big pieces of road infrastructure and public transport um, service reform, that has a positive impact across the state, but also within uh, my electorate of Greenvale, which is, as I say, at that urban fringe where there's a need to ensure joined up policy thinking. So while, while I want to be a great local member and always remember that I'm only in parliament because of the support and the trust of those in my community, it, it's incumbent on me to use that platform, I think, to share my experiences, to 
uh, my own personal experience, as well as the the insights that uh, members of my community give to me every day when I'm speaking with them on the doors at railway stations and shopping centres to contribute that first-hand experience back into the policy-making process. So just um, following on from that point, how then has your training as a school teacher and your experience in the classroom now helping you as a state politician? I think it's been an incredibly formative experience in everything that I've done subsequent to the classroom. Um, it takes me back a little bit to my interview uh, for a Monash scholarship, actually, over, over 10 years ago now, where the question really, uh, from re- my memory, drilled into what do you hope to achieve with the scholarship um, and with the education opportunities it might, it might afford you if you're lucky enough to get one. And um, my thinking at that point was that... Um, the experience I had had in the classroom, my experience of educational and economic disadvantage in rural Australia, and um, my practical experience of having been involved in the delivery of public policy reform, all of that gave me um, a really profound, well, an important and first-hand perspective on um, how government decisions can, for better or for worse, directly impact on the lives of families and the communities in which they live. So after going to the UK, where I was so fortunate to study as a Monash scholar and to to derive those experiences of um, economic reform, educational reform, um, from learning from and with some of the world's best applied public policy practitioners and researchers, um, I sought to pursue roles in Australia that allowed me to draw on that first-hand experience of being a, cl- a classroom teacher and of being involved uh, in the, the running of the school as a, as a, a curriculum coordinator, year-level manager, member of a consultative committee, all those kinds of roles. Um, and to apply that knowledge with the uh, more technical policy knowledge that I acquired as a Monash scholar through roles like working in the Department of Education, through working um, with universities um, and to seek better funding outcomes for the learn local sector and for our adult education system. Um, And now as a member of parliament, those experiences don't leave me. Um, I've built upon that classroom teaching experience, but I'm constantly mindful of the, the practical realities that teachers, school leaders, parents and students themselves experience when they're in the classroom. So when we're talking about system reform um, within the parliament, uh, I have my own experience to draw upon about how that is likely to actually practically manifest um, in a school setting, how it's likely or not likely, as the case might be, to impact upon the relationship that a teacher has with a student, which is ultimately the key to driving uh, system improvement and better outcomes. Um, but I also now have that platform and opportunity to visit schools as their member of parliament, to listen. As I did this morning, I was at one of our great local primary schools in West Meadows, um, part of my electorate, and listening to the school council and the principal talk about some of the practical challenges they're experiencing post-COVID and as a consequence of, of enrolment growth and, and how that manifests in their community. So to be able to listen to what they're telling me, to draw upon the first-hand experience that I've got, and then to be the conduit now between a school community, my broader community, and the government. Um, all of that, I think, gives me um, gives me a, a, perhaps a unique perspective to be able to 
um, shape policy and to provide informed feedback uh, to my to my colleagues in government. You mentioned the scholarship there, Ewan. What was it that made you apply for the John Monash Scholarship? I was keen to pursue further education um, as a consequence of, of my honours uh, project at Melbourne University, really. I, I um, before entering the classroom, had just finished uh, my honours year in um, economic history was the, the topic of my thesis and um, then went uh, into into the bush and started teaching and um, realised that I loved education and everything that it meant uh, for young people, people throughout their lives, in fact. Um, and so the more I thought about it, I wanted to seek an opportunity that allowed me to build upon the academic experiences I had I had, had before going to the classroom and also to deepen my under, my practical understanding, my uh, my academic understanding of um, education reform. And so I, I landed upon a, a research proposal that was really looking at the economics of education and the impact that school reform has upon local communities and their access to uh, higher education, to training, to jobs, and its impact on uh, local prosperity ultimately. Um, and I did did my due diligence and my research, and 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 Oxford um, was one of the strongest places in the world, if not the strongest. For I was going to ask, you chose Oxford. What was it about Oxford that attracted you? Well, because because of that depth of research and expertise, specifically in economic history, and mm. and also the opportunity to um, learn in that in that. Uh, I suppose Oxford tutorial model that that really intensive one on one approach to teaching that throws you in the deep end. There's nowhere to hide, and uh, <laughs> I bet I, I happened upon economic history from the uh, as 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 an historian. So wanted to improve my my practical understanding of economics and economic policy, and I certainly was able to do that through that MPhil, while also having the opportunity to do some really uh, in-depth research into a field that I was very passionate about. How did you find? How did you find Oxford? I loved it. It was um, an incredible experience and, and an immense privilege to to be there and and to have been there for three years. It's a um, it's a, a unique place, I think, in some respects. Um, a, a physically beautiful city, with, full of interesting people who are doing fascinating things. And the nature of the collegiate model is that it breaks up the overarching university into smaller components so you build you build good friendships and and uh, um, have the exposure to really impressive academics on on quite an intimate level actually um, and it was also great to be there as a monash scholar and and with a, a significant cohort of monash scholars and other australians so um, had the opportunity to be the president of the, the australian football club when i was over there the oldest in the world outside of australia um, which was an amazing second home, I think, for a lot of Australians. And um, beyond the sporting aspect, uh, another forum through which people could really build deep and uh, um, mutually enriching relationships that, that allowed a bit of cross-pollination of, of academic ideas as well. So um, an intellectually very stimulating three years that um, was an immense privilege to have had, and, and I'm constantly thankful for it and for the opportunity that the Monash scholarship gave me to pursue it where did you grow up Ewan and where did you go to school 
I was a bit of a peripatetic existence. Um, I, I was born in the uh, in the UK and then came to Australia, so I've got a slightly I don't know mid Indian Ocean accent, whatever the correct geography <laughs> would be. Uh, I don't know. So it's a bit of a mess. But um, came to Melbourne with my family uh, when I was five. Lived in Melbourne for a few years and then finished school in Tasmania. Um, came back to Melbourne for university um, and then went, as I say, teaching in in the bush up in the the Grampians region from there to, to Oxford and um, since getting back uh, to Australia I've been based in in the northwest of Melbourne um, although with some deviations out into country Victoria as a consequence of my partner's career uh, she's a, a, a pediatrician doing some advanced training so they bounce around from different hospitals uh, to hospital but that's also actually been incredibly enriching and a, a great privilege to live in different parts of our state and to and become part a part of different communities and to learn from people and their perspective in those places. So you mentioned you're a bit of a political nuffy, to use the vernacular. Did you were you were you active in student politics? When did you when did you first start really getting involved in, I suppose, an interest in politics? Oh, I'd like to say it was when uh, you know Bob Hawke and Paul Keating were sparring, but that would be a lie. I don't. Uh, we arrived in Australia. Um, very soon after that transition of power from uh, Bob Hawke to Paul Keating. Um, I think I've always been, for as long as I can remember at least, fascinated by politics and political history, um, but also what politics and government actually mean in terms of, and, and, and what democratic institutions represent, both, both the ideal of that um, and the practical reality of it. So, um, I, I, liberal democracy, uh, I think, you know, Churchill, that Churchill aphorism um, is pretty apt. I, 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 and I'm always a bit concerned when I see uh, surveys that suggest that um, young people um, perhaps are losing faith in, in democracy and democratic institutions because, uh, and, and people in my community can attest that other systems that deny people's humanity and liberty are not something to be emulated or um, or pursued, um, so the opportunity to now contribute to the strength of those democratic institutions is a is a responsibility I take very seriously. But rewinding a little bit, um, I have always been intensely interested uh, in in politics and policy making, um, and because of the because of the practical reality that that has on communities and and people's lives and its capacity to improve society and to make opportunities more accessible. Um, my, my family's story uh, is one where uh, reforms to the, well, the British economy, because we, we were in the UK with that. My, my uh, ancestors were in the UK at the time and my parents, um, where reforms to schools and hospitals and, and the health system meant that my family got a good education and were able to um, pursue their interests and their academic career um, in a way that had never been open to, the, to, their, to their ancestors at any point for thousands of years. And um, when, you, when you realise that the, the things that can provide transformative opportunity in life and set you on a particular path are a consequence of government decision-making, um, for me, that, that's always been a trigger for, for interest in, in politics and government. But in answer, in answer to your question about student politics, no, not especially. Um, always very active in... Um, student organisations and as a student representative leader, I suppose, uh, through um, 
all the forums that I was involved with, whether it was my my college or sporting club, as I say, president of the footy club in, in the UK and involved in university sport in Melbourne um, and president of um, my college here and vice president in, in, in the UK. Um, I was always uh, very involved in political campaigns in um, at, at around election time from the time I was in school as a volunteer uh, for my local member at the time in Hobart and then um, when I was teaching in the bush. But um, and it partly as a consequence of not staying in Melbourne, I suspect, after university going and going straight out teaching. Um, uh, I didn't have that, that um, length of connection with, with uh, student politics that some are able to achieve. Um, but I'm, look, I, I, I'm in awe of those who I've, I've met through stu- student politics. Now I am act, uh, an active politician because the, the enthusiasm and the, the zeal that they bring to a campaign, um, the tireless energy uh, and effort and their, their volunteered hours uh, are incredibly important for, for any polit- political candidate, um, certainly one who's part of a party structure. So um, while I wasn't involved as actively as they are, um, I'm very grateful for their involvement. So politicians and politics in general, more broadly, often get a bad rap. People think they're all the same, nothing ever happens. As soon as they get in office, they just break all their promises. So a two-part question, and maybe we can use this to to finish. How do you respond to the scepticism or the critics of politics and politicians in general and then what would be your advice to young people who are thinking of a life in public office or public service or as a politician how would you answer that i'll take the first question first um i look i think it's uh there's an answer in two parts as a local representative um i am out every week, uh, several times a week, um, knocking on people's doors, just seeking to listen to their perspectives on community and to seek um, their advice as to how I can help. And I did that during the campaign. I will continue doing that. And in doing so, I'm just I'm trying to be my authentic self um, and to give people an opportunity to get to know me as their local representative, as the person that community has trusted to be in parliament and to be the voice for that community. Um, so the, the more that I can meet residents in my community, the more that I can have conversations with them, um, I, I don't think I've, I've changed my persona or demeanour at all since, um, since you know, the campaign. I, I, I think throughout my professional life, including when I was in the classroom, I always sought to be um, you know, who I am and to not treat students any differently because they happen to be um, you know, younger. I think if you if you treat people with respect, um, in obviously in the context of a professional relationship, um, then that begets respect. And uh, is it a reasonably you know good way to approach um, life in any profession, but also in public life? Um, so I understand there is that scepticism, and, and you encounter it, or what you know, I encounter it, um, you know, reasonably often, but but also not as often as you might think. I mean, it, I think it's it's perhaps easier to be sceptical or to dislike something that is in the abstract. Um, if, however, a politician like me rocks up on your doorstep just seeking to listen and to discuss local issues, um, my experience is that the overwhelming majority of people um, are happy to have a chat and to give you the time of day and 
um, are really just decent, nice people who want the best for their community. So there's a bit of a disjuncture perhaps between the, the abstract and, and to what people see as a consequence of things like Question Time and, yes. and the, uh, the Punch and Judy show on TV versus <laughs> the, the practical reality of, of um, someone who's out there. Getting stuff done. Stuff yep. And um, look, I, I, I learn a lot from watching my colleagues um, both in the Victorian Parliament but other, other MPs who I've worked with and alongside um, and, and there is also, and, and this isn't a, you know, it's not a party political comment. Um, I think this cuts across across politics. Most most MPs are are out there um, working hard for their community, and so maybe there's a bit of a communication piece, but uh, that that needs to be needs to be done. But the more that you can have those personal conversations, those interactions, I think the better. And in terms of the the, the final question, um, uh, advice I'd give to young people starting off or what, seeking to pursue a life in politics or public service. Um, I think my advice would be to, 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 to pursue that goal. It's a worthy ambition and um, the experiences that I have had um, have been really positive. Um, as I say, it, 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 at its heart, it's about um, being present within community, having conversations. Um, if you enjoy at meeting other people and and celebrating what organisations are doing and and um, the hard work that other people are putting in to make their community a better place. And that's a pretty good starting point. Um, but in, in a practical sense, I'd also say that there's no one way to reach that end point. Um, as I say, I, I was a teacher and then worked in, um, in NGOs as a consultant um, at different levels of government. But all of those roles were undergirded by a commitment to that idea that every person should have um, equitable opportunities in their life, whether it's in education or otherwise. Um, and so as a politician, I'm seeking to give effect to those values. Um, irrespective of whether someone is interested in politics ends up in, in political office or in the public service or in the private sector, I don't think it really matters ultimately if if, if people have that um, desire to make their community a better place and to um, work towards social and economic justice. Um, there are many ways to deliver that and to achieve that. Um, public office is a really good way of doing that, I think. Um, I'm always open to having a conversation with anybody who is interested. And I think as a general rule, uh, people are happy to give advice to those who are seeking more information. So. Uh, if anyone wants to get in touch, I'm very happy to have a chat. Ewan Walters, member for Greenvale and John Monash Scholar, thank you very much for coming onto the show today and best of luck in the years ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Take care.